Friday, Newark, New Jersey. Cold but somewhat mild February night. Another night with you and me and our mutual friend and confidant and trusted colleague, Logic. It's the Logic and Larry Show. I'm your host, Larry Luciato Crane. Glad to be with you. Everything I say on the show is my personal opinion. It does not reflect the opinion or the stance of any other entity or any other person. This is just me as a private citizen for entertainment purposes, just talking about the news of the day, the opinions I have privately, and that's all we're doing here. Now, the Alan Parsons Project song. There was a reason I played that one today, Games People Play. Do you take it or you leave it? If I told you the truth right now, would you believe it? Well, that has some significance. Because tonight's theme is about messaging, about equivocating. The nonsensical games people play, whether they're in the general populace or they're politicians, people in our government, people we look up to, people we confide in. Or do we? Have they eroded our trust so badly that we don't confide in them anymore at all? Is that part of the problem? Are they always talking in circles and choosing different words and semantics to try to get around the point-blank truth and the point-blank reality? That's what I want to know. And yeah, that song obviously has much deeper meaning than just that, you know, couple words that I'm I'm uh, using it to facilitate and kind of as a segue into tonight's show. I mean, it's obviously got life meaning, so, but it's a great song, and I thought it was, because the chorus was stuck in my head while I was thinking about what to, you know, what I was going to talk about tonight, so it kind of, you know, it kind of just happened, but... Look, it's a, it's a mild February on the East Coast anyway, and I want to welcome everybody from all around the country. Arizona, Rick, in the house. And usually we have Georgia in the house, we have Boston, and we have all these other places too. I don't know if everybody's in here right now, but hey. End of the day, COVID is still raging across the country, although... New Jersey this week lifted some curfews on restaurants that were in place. New Jersey this week, uh, and then Newark lifted them. So if Jersey lifted it above 10, now no curfew. Newark's, of course, got to go from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. So now we've lifted some curfews, which is which is nice. Um, vaccines are, are moving, but in some states they're doing very well. In other states, they're still dragging. In my state, they are dragging. We've got to get vaccines out much, much much quicker Mr. Murphy, great to see you my brother, George is in the house as I thought I uh you know the vaccines are coming out and how are they doing in your states let me know in the comments, how are they doing in your states, in Jersey it's a little bit uh, a little bit slow and we wish it was a little bit quicker but we've got to really get ahead of this thing because Dr. Fauci this week told us that uh, we are not vaccinating quick enough to get ahead of some of these strains of the virus. And we've really got to get ahead of these strains. And we've got to block these strains out, for lack of a better term, in order to get 
to where we need to be with a basically herd immunity, not in the ridiculous way that was initially uh, presented as in just getting everybody infected, but as far as vaccinating everybody. Um, So we remained behind a little bit, and it was interesting. Um, Look, we've almost grown so accustomed to what they like to call the new normal. You know, it's the new normal now, and, and we initially thought the new normal, you know, no, 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 we'll go back to normal, you know, once this thing is over. It was supposed to be two weeks to stop the spread and all these other things. And now, the new normal, if you think about it, we're almost a full year into this pandemic, and, and we really have grown accustomed to, and we really have started to adapt our lifestyles to this new normal. Which is kind of disturbing. It's it's not a fun new normal. I mean, you just always have your mask on. You're always socially distanced. You're always in a smaller gathering. You can't sit at a bar. At least in Jersey, you can't. Um, movie theaters are, are sporadically you can go to them, but most people still don't go. Most things are streaming on uh, HBO Max and other things. And so uh, one of our listeners, Paige, today, she pointed out you know, that there was an article in the New York Times kind of just discussing... You know, what it's like for a single person. And I was, it's funny because I was driving today after running some errands and I looked up at these new condominiums they had put up in East Newark. Uh, and I, right across the river from Newark, East Newark. And I saw that, uh, and Sean, that, see, that's what I'm talking about. I agree. I mean, I want to be able to go to a ball game, right? Rucker season's in the fall. There's hockey going on right now. I can't go. I want to be able to go to a sports game. I don't want to have a mask. I want to have a beer in my hand, cheering. All right? I want to go to the movies. I want to go. My buddy Bobby Curls the other day, he posted, I just want to be at a bar with Rick James, super freak, playing on the jukebox. Now, I'm a Rick James fan, but I don't know if I'd pick that particular song for my vibe. You know what I'm saying? But I'd love to be at a bar with a beer, with everybody around me, just vibing to the music, talking to women, whatever I'm doing, meeting new people. I'd love that. And we're not there yet. And, Sean, you make up, you bring up exactly where I was going with this. I looked up at this condominium today while I was driving, and I just saw, like, you know, as soon as this new condominium building went up, it was just filled up, right? There was almost no vacancy. It was just filled up, and you could tell it's these smaller apartments like mine, and it's a high-rise, and it's probably predominantly occupied by younger, probably millennial, which is most of our age, single people. Single people. And, and Paige pointed out this article in the New York Times... You know, Rick, what else it is? It's hard to smile, right? I'm a smiler. You know, I'm one of those guys that goes to the store and the, the liquor store and the, the, the grocery store and, you know, wherever I am, even at work or, or on the street. And I smile at people. You know, I, you know, smiles, puts them at ease. It's, a, it's an old human interaction that's innate to all of us. And I'm a smiler, right? And I sometimes smile at people. But they can't see it, so sometimes I smirk at them to say hello, and they just stare at me and walk on by, and it's, I realize, like, oh, shit, he can't see my smile. He can't, he can't see it. So it's just, um, it, it sucks, you know? And Paige pointed out this article that for single people, and Sean, another good one, Sean Murphy, obviously an Irishman, I'm half an Irishman, look... St. Patty's Day, they already canceled all the parades in Jersey already, preemptively. Again, they're all canceled, all right? So it just... She pointed out this article regarding single people and how it was harder on single people because, you know, p- 
people in their families, especially people who are already kind of accustomed to, to being home more often, I'm not saying be home as much as they are now, but who are already more accustomed to being just home or with other people in their household, it might be a little easier or maybe harder, honestly, if you look at it from a different angle, that they're stuck with the same people. It might increase tensions. I don't know. I'm not in that situation. But for single people, especially I find today, it seems like a lot more, especially in our generation, the millennial generation, there are so many people in their 30s and 20s and even early 40s who are people who live alone, who are single people, and who live in more urban and metropolitan areas, right? And for us, I was just speaking to another buddy of mine, Handel, the other day, another fellow Newarker. We were, we were talking about how, you know, and look, we've had some barbecues in the summer. We got to get together a little bit. People got tested. We got to have small gatherings. We had some holidays with our families because we were tested. We were socially distanced. So we've had some interaction, right? But on the day-to-day, we were discussing how so much of the social scene in cities like Newark and, and communities like we're in, so many of the so, so much of the social scene is not necessarily making a plan and having two or three people over on your couch. So much of the social scene in, in our in our current demographic kind of construction these days is built around local watering holes and local gathering places and pubs and bars and things where you just on a Friday night, a night like this or a Saturday, I wouldn't necessarily make plans to go to somebody's house. I would just walk out onto the street and I would go into one of my favorite places and I would hang out and I would just see and run into people and... That would be the night. I'd run into people I knew because we all knew each other. And then from there, you'd run into somebody else. And then you guys would say, well, where are you headed? I'm headed to this place or that place. And you, you would go there and you would go there. And that was the social scene, right? It was so much of the social scene is predicated on simply being able to walk out and go into a crowded place and interact with people there. And that has been lost in COVID. So I, and I'm sure many of you are, you know, waiting on bated breath for this COVID vaccination to be ramped up so we can get back to that place. And I thank Paige for pointing out that article because it was a good conversation piece and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and facial expressions. So the things that we take for granted that we don't even necessarily register as being you know depressing or affecting our mental state like seeing smiles from strangers you wouldn't even think of that consciously but that's a that's an important human element that we are completely losing out on at this at this time so it's it's just tough and and i just wanted to you know we started this during covid and we continue it now and now it's obviously grown beyond covid just like it's grown beyond the trump presidency and everything else but it is just something I wanted to touch on because it's still going on and we're still not out of it. And I do wonder if I'll change the time of the show when we are out of it because people might want to go out on Fridays again and I'll put it maybe on a different weeknight. But just something to touch on. It, it Biden administration says that they are continuing to try to ramp up vaccinations. I will get into the proposed stimulus bill soon, which obviously has a lot of money uh, earmarked for vaccination efforts. So we obviously have a lot have a lot going on with that, and I just hope it, it starts to end. But look, the, the theme of 
tonight, like I said, was this messaging, right? The games people play. If I told you the truth, would you even believe it anymore? And, and there's a lot of ways you can look at that as being problematic today. And I couldn't help all week watching the news. There's so many different news stories, right? There's the, the Marjorie Taylor Greene story. There's the AOC story. There's, uh, and Chris is in here, so Tennessee is also in the house, and Tennessee's open. So we know what's going on down there in Nashville. Tennessee's open. Chris just started a new company, from what I understand, so show him some love. Chris, post the link. Um, yeah, it, it varies by state, too. It varies by state. And Jersey's been pretty much locked down, I guess, for better. I mean, but it's uh, it's been an issue. But, look, I've seen all these news stories. you got Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene with her committee thing. We'll get into that. We've got the impeachment uh, trial that's impending, that's coming soon. We have the uh, the AOC drama regarding her, how she felt victimized during the Capitol Hill riots and people retaliating against her, spreading rumors about her lying. Um, we have all of these political stories. And then we had the stimulus itself and the news coming out regarding the stimulus. And I, I couldn't help but continuously continuously roll my eyes because every time I turned around there was some piece of news right and then there was some messaging behind it and some stance where you couldn't break rank and you couldn't go off message and you couldn't do anything like that right and and everybody has to spin every piece of news into some semantic uh, tactical way to try to get one over on other people right so little, so little is just straightforward. And, and it almost sounds Trump-esque. It almost sounds Trump-esque for me to even say this, but I'm saying it to you. People just are not giving it to you straight. People are not talking to you and telling you what it is, and they're not telling even themselves what it is. They're not being honest with themselves. And it's just getting nauseating at this time. And it's funny because as we almost... As we almost recede back into normality with the Biden presidency, which I think we can all can agree is, is refreshing in a way, right? None of these upheavals every day, just back to normal politics. And it's a little bit quiet on the presidential front and on the political front. But as we recede back into normality with some remnants of the Trump presidency still you know, before us in the form of impeachment, in the form of this Congresswoman Green, as we get back into that normality, we get back into this even more of these semantic games, even more of these messaging games, even more of what seems to almost be petty and trivial games and petty and trivial arguments. And when Trump was in office, it might have not been so trivial, might not have been so petty, because so much of what was going on was a true, you know, issue. And now it's not really always a huge issue, but they want to make it an issue just to keep you clicking, as Rick pointed out. They want to keep you clicking. They want to keep you engaged. They want to, most importantly, keep you on whatever side so they can get your votes and keep you engaged in your, you know, hot-button political issues as opposed to what's really going on, right? And it's just getting frustrating. Anything we look at has this messaging problem. And I'm going to get into the news stories, but again, focus on the messaging when I get into these news stories because I'm not trying to be Trump-esque when I say they're not talking to you straight. But if there's one thing I will say about Trump, and if there's one thing that people certainly liked about Trump... 
it was that he really was pretty much speaking from his from his heart, just just riffing. He just didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Number one, he was vastly ignorant to the issues. Number two, he was somebody who was legitimately xenophobic and racist, and he had a lot of issues in that regard. And then when he would get himself into trouble, he'd just flat out lie about it, make things up. Plus, he'd believe other people's lies. I'm not talking about, this isn't about Trump right now. But I'm saying, imagine if somebody who wasn't like Trump, who wasn't xenophobic, who was educated, who was objective, really just told it to you straight. And if more people did that, how much better our dialogue would be, how much more clear our minds would be when we went to vote, how many more issues we could solve, it would just be a beautiful thing. And if people didn't always feel the need to stick on their side and find a way to, you know, make everything work for their side. The truth is, when I sit up here and I talk to you guys about issues, and just like we did with Neil last week on the on the Robin Hood thing, look, when the Robin Hood situation first happened, I was somebody who traded on Robin Hood. And I was speaking to my friends in our group chat, and all of us were, were agitated. That, that Robin Hood stopped the trading. And in my first reaction was, screw these people. They're trying to screw over the little guy, this and that and the other thing. My inclination, my emotional reaction, my emotional reaction was, I'm angry. I'm not happy about this, right? But on the other side, once Neil, I saw him start to post intelligent, objective fact about the situation, I said, I got to get Neil on. I got to get Neil on because I got to share this object, objective information with everybody else. Because the truth is, guys, what I find so fascinating is everybody seems so hellbent on warping and, and maneuvering the truth and objectivity to fit their narrative. When in reality, what, what's the point? What I mean is n none of us created what exists outside of us in just flat-out objective reality. None of us are created it. It just is. So why are we so hell-bent on trying to commandeer and take custody of it? Let's just point it out and then discuss how we feel about it and what our different relative approaches are to it. That's, that's, there's no allegiance to trying to be absent a party or trying to be neutral. It, it's simply just, just I try to strive to find the objective truth, and that's it. And, and, and let's delve right into one of the big news pieces this week, which was Marjorie Taylor Greene. All right. If you don't know who she is, you haven't been listening to Logic and Larry. Everybody who's been listening to Logic and Larry knows exactly who she is. She's the congresswoman from Georgia. She was the one who was extremely controversial. She was a QAnon, uh, QAnon, I think is the right way to pronounce it, QAnon supporter, believed in QAnon, unapologetically believed in QAnon. She was a conspiracy theorist. She believed that the 9-11 uh, attacks were a conspiracy. She totally subscribed to that, which has been thoroughly debunked. You can even check out debunking911.com, which does a great job on every single theory. It's been up for years. I don't know how she hadn't come across that. With all her internet prowling, it's kind of absurd. Um, she was she, she she's so ignorant that when uh, different Congress people swore into office using the Quran or another holy book aside from the Bible, she was gallivanting around saying that they weren't legitimately sworn in and that it wasn't legal because it wasn't sworn in on the Bible. I mean, that's how ignorant she is to our country and our principles and how things work. 
Um, she was the one following around the young man, uh, David Hogg, who was the uh, gun rights advocate, calling him Little Hitler and all of those things. I mean, we've gone through her <laughs> exploits and her hijinks, if you will. So this week, right, Democrats were pressuring Republican leadership in the House to strip her of her committee assignments. All right. And. That was because at least one of her committee assignments was uh, the Education Committee. And how would you put somebody on the Education Committee who clearly lacks an education, right? Clearly believes in things that make no sense. Who doesn't seem to have an interest in protecting schools from shooters because she's so hostile toward the young man who was advocating for uh, restrictions to protect students in schools. They asked Mr. You know, McCarthy, who's the minority leader in the House, to remove her from the committees. And the Republicans refused. In fact, they had apparently a closed-door caucus meeting. She stood up and apparently denounced her previous allegiance to QAnon and her previous buying into conspiracy theories. The reports were that they gave her a standing ovation for that, and then they said she'd move past it, and the Democrats have no right to tell them who to sit on their committees. And essentially the Republicans refused, refused to remove her from her committee assignments. And that gets to part of where I'm going with this conversation, right? It's obvious to anybody that the woman is spreading hateful, fabricated, nonsensical, conspiracy theory, ignorant rhetoric, okay? It's obvious to anybody being even a little bit objective. What was so hard, what could have been so hard for the Republican caucus in the House to simply just say, you know what, sit down, Green. You got elected by this district in Georgia. We didn't elect you. And you're objectively causing trouble. You know, it's not like you did it 10 years ago. We want to we want to say you're reformed. You ran on a platform that advocated for QAnon. And when you were in the House, you were raising hell that individuals and other fellow House members swore in on the Quran instead of the Bible. You're obviously still actively pursuing these things, and you're actively ascribing to these things. What was so hard? And imagine how much credibility McCarthy could have kept. Imagine how much credibility, just as people, okay, forget politics. If they had just said, you know what, objectively, I'll go to war for a lot of Republican things. I'll go to war for a lot of things that I believe in, even if Democrats don't love it, even if liberals don't love it, even if cancel culture doesn't love it. But one thing I won't do is stand by this green woman. She's off the committees, or at least she's off the education committee, some kind of compromise. Therefore, you know that I at least have some semblance of objectivity in my veins, and you can somewhat rely on me when I tell you something. Because one thing I found is a lot of people are willing to talk to me, whether they're on a different side of an issue or not, is because they've seen me time and time again come out and call out something on the side that I support and call out things on every side. And that builds objectivity. It builds reliability, right? People can trust you more if you do that. Your credibility goes up. And they, they refused. The entire caucus almost refused. Interestingly, then Democrats had to bring it to a vote. Democrats had to bring it to a vote to the whole House, where they obviously have the majority. And the whole House had to vote on whether to strip Green of her committee assignments. And that forced Republicans to go on record saying whether they supported her on these committees or not. 
which made things even more interesting, right? Because I, in crazily, right? Liz Cheney voted to impeach Donald Trump because Liz Cheney truly believed, even though she's a prominent Republican in, in Republican leadership, okay? Liz Cheney truly believed that Donald Trump should be impeached. And whether you think so or not is beside the point. She truly believed it. She's an educated person. She made a decision for herself. She was objective. 60 members, 60 members of the Republican caucus in the House, 60, 60 members of the Republican caucus voted to remove Liz Cheney from her leadership position just because she dared to vote to remove, to, to impeach Trump. And not even to convict, just to move it to trial. That's all she did. And 60 members voted to remove her from leadership. But when they had the vote today to remove Green from her committee assignments, only 11, only 11 members of the Republican caucus, only 11 voted to remove her from her committee. So they voted more, 60 against Liz Cheney who's a prominent, respected member of Congress, and 11 for a woman who believes in QAnon and thinks that Muslim members of Congress are not allowed to swear into office on the Quran. That, to me, guys, that's not because 60 people are nuts or because that whole Republican caucus truly believes any of this or doesn't have the capacity to understand what's going on not at all that's because the republican caucus in the house and those 60 people versus the non-11 people that voted to remove her simply can't bear to get off message not even a little bit they can't bear to get off message just a tiny bit. They had to stick to their equivocating, nonsensical stuff, and they had to uphold Green because she's some populist icon, I guess, for Trump, maybe, and Cheney dared go against Trump? It, and it's just insane, the lack of objectivity, because they can't even do it with a straight face. You, you, if you were eye-to-eye -eye with these people... It's not like they truly believe in what they did. There's no way. Maybe some. Most no. You were eye to eye with them trying to say, can you please just admit that she's just wrong? She's not. They wouldn't do it because they have to stick to some lying, deceitful message. And it's ridiculous. And, and if you don't know what's going on with some of these other Congress people, Ben Sassy from, from Nebraska, he's being officially sanctioned officially sanctioned by the Republican Party in Nebraska because he dare condemn Trump or any aspect of Trumpism. I forget what the exact specific thing that he did that they sanctioned him for. He came out today saying, you want to sanction me, sanction me again. But he just won a new term, so he's got six years, so I guess he doesn't care. But they're officially sanctioning people now on the Republican Party who dare go against Trump in any, in any way, right? And it's this nonsense where we can't get out of this messaging loop. Who can we trust? Who's, who's being objective? 
Who's just calling balls and strikes as they see them? Why has everything got to be a relative truth today? And delving further into the impeachment, right? Delving further into the insurrection. Delving further into the riots that occurred at the Capitol. Here's another piece of news that came out. Amidst this bed, this sass thing, amidst this green thing, we had... Lindsey Graham come out today, and I thank Paisan for pointing this out today to to, to address. We had this piece of news where Lindsey Graham grandstand. He loves grandstanding, doesn't he, this guy? Because he he did some grandstanding when they were trying to halt the electoral college count, and he basically grandstanded and said, you know, this is absurd, I can't go along with it anymore. And you thought maybe Lindsey Graham was turning the corner, maybe reverting back to himself when he was friends with the late, great John McCain, and he was actually, you know, being objective. <laughs> I know I'm always, you're probably sick of me talking about objectivity. It's all I talk about. All I talk about is objectivity and logic, objectivity and logic, blah, 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 blah. It's like, shut up, Larry. Just shut up, right? And that's what it was, Rick. Thank you for telling us. It was that uh, Sass didn't stand with Rand Paul saying that it was unconstitutional for Trump to be impeached after he had left office. That's what they're sanctioning him for. Who, who? They're sanctioning him for taking a stand on something that is actually legally valid the way he took it. So that's how crazy it's gone on that side. Now, you, you can't even say something objectively true or you will be sanctioned for dare saying something objectively true. You are getting penalized for objectivity now, right? It's not just for comfort anymore. You will get penalized for objectivity in, this, in today's America, guys. And, 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 and I'm going to get to the other side because this isn't just one side. You don't think you get penalized on the left for being objective. You're, you're full of it, too. Because you'll be marginalized in two seconds, maybe even canceled, if you're objective on the left. It's not to the same level it is on the right right now under Trumpism, but it's there. And it, and, it, and it applies to everybody, so it's just it's an American issue, it's a societal issue. It's not just one party issue or anything like that, right? So anyway, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham today says... You better watch out if you allow this impeachment trial to go on. If you allow witnesses to come in. Think about what he's saying, first of all. Let's dissect that, just that little thing. A sitting United States senator. A sitting United States senator said. A sitting United States senator said. If you dare bring witnesses into a trial... If you dare submit proof and evidence for me to look at at a trial to which it's my duty to sit as a juror, if you dare show me evidence, you better watch out. That's a horrible thing. You're setting a negative precedent. How dare you show me evidence? He said, if you show me evidence of something that Trump did, then you better watch out because Kamala Harris is next. That's what he said. He didn't say those exact words, but he said, you better watch out because Kamala Harris, we're going to look into her now. We're going to look into her 
setting up bail funds or something like that, you know. Because essentially he was equating the insurrection, the insurrection inquiry that has now turned into an impeachment proceeding. He was equating that to the riots in the summer and Kamala Harris and the bail funds. And here's here's what's been here's what's been bothering me too for a few weeks now. All right, ever since this insurrection happened, a few weeks. I I keep hearing, I keep hearing this back and forth between the sides. Right, this whataboutism. These whataboutisms, right? Well, he was okay with the riots in the summer. And so how could how could you get mad at the Capitol building being stormed? And oh, you you love invading the Capitol building, but you were against the riots in the summer. You know, you're by the way, guys, these are straw men. The the field is littered with scarecrows, cause cause Nine out of ten times, the people on the left were not for the rioting and destruction. They were just for the protests. Some people said they understood why it was happening. Didn't say they were advocating for it or encouraging it. A lot of it was perpetrated by right-wing actors and anarchists. But on the other side, there's a lot of people who were, you know, more conservative people who are Trump supporters who, who didn't condone or support the rioting at the Capitol building, right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of straw people number 1. Number 2, you know, when it comes to this bail fund thing. You know, I will say that when the Capitol riot happened, when the insurrection happened, I did just for kicks, just for me being me and maybe pissing some people off, I guess. I posted on Facebook and said, uh, are we going to set up bail funds for the people who stormed the Capitol building?" All right? And a couple people who had been very in favor of bail funds when people were destroying property in the, the summer were like, oh, no, why would we do that? Why the hell would we bail people? I'm like, well, and I just put the Eddie Murphy gif from uh, Coming to America, just, uh-huh, uh-huh, like, why would we do that? If you're getting arrested for protesting lawfully, that's one thing. If you're getting arrested for throwing firebombs or, you know, throwing bottles at police or things like that, well... You know, there's there's a point there. You you shouldn't be saying that you're going to bail those people out, and you know these people are should be shot on sight. Because I saw a lot of left people on the left saying shoot these people on sight. And I'm not saying what should happen to anybody. I'm just saying I've always been against destruction. I've always been against destruction and defacement of public property. I just always have, right? I'm not equating the two. I'm not saying the two are the same. I'm just saying the messaging that goes back and forth and the, the fighting over semantics and the straw man and, and, well, what about your side? What about your side? What about your side? How about it's all bad? Protests are fine, but listen, even if I disagree with the Trump nonsense, even if I disagree with the Trump nonsense... They still have the right to protest and say nonsensical things about Trump. They don't have the right to invade the damn Capitol. Because protest is, is a good thing, right? You look how Newark, New Jersey did it. They protested and they didn't destroy things. Because destroying things is not, is not a good thing, right? We shouldn't be advocating for that. 
You know, and, and there's a complex history with everything, but everybody wants to stick on their side, right? So there's like a cop in the Capitol riots who was hailed as a hero because he led rioters away. But then in the same riot, there'll be another cop running away, and he would be in on it. He's in on it, right? Because it depends who's messaging. Depends who wants to keep the message just binary. One, zero, one, zero, one, zero. It can't ever be complex, com- complicated. So they got to stay on message. It's just infuriating. Stop fighting over straw people. Okay. Now the FBI is kicking indoors. By the way, they're they're going after people. They went after some lady today, like a soccer mom who who invaded the Capitol. I love it. Kick in her door and arrest her. Lock her up. Throw her in. Okay. Don't give her bail. She invaded the damn Capitol. I don't care if she's a soccer mom. She should be treated the same way anybody else is treated who invades public property and places the government under siege. That's just plain as day. There's no, there's no equivocation. There's no false equivalencies. It's just an equivalency. Arrest her. Kick her door in. All right? But we had this other situation when, we're, when it comes to the, first of all, the fixation. The fixation, and this goes to the messaging again, right? This fixation on the actual, so, so, People fail to understand this, too, again, because no one's calling it like it is. Everybody wants to stick to their little message. The left has been pretty consistent in, in, in being honest about this insurrection situation and the impeachment. The right has completely tried to avoid and contort and, and, and misconstrue what's going on. But I think because it does, it's more appealing to focus on the actual violence, which was the culmination of everything. The left has been somewhat complicit in it, but not really. I mean, it's really a right thing. There's a mis... I think a misperception that the only thing that the impeachment inquiry and the only thing that people are referencing when they talk about the insurrection or the inciting of the insurrection is the actual speech right before the violence. You constantly see Republicans saying that you know, the, all he said was, you know, go peacefully. And then other people point that he said, fight like hell. And then the rioters who look, if you're, if you're, if you're dumb enough to go break into the Capitol building, why do I even care what your subjective understanding of what Trump said was anyway, keep interviewing these people. Well, Trump told me to do it. And they're like, that's evidence that Trump's guilty. And, or, you know, Trump didn't say that. And that's evidence that he's not. I mean, that's not evidence of anything. Okay. You got to look at what he did, what he did. Okay, not what how it affected some some guy who believes that they're holding children in pizzerias. All right, it, it's it's what Trump said. But here's where people are, are misconstruing it. They keep focusing on just his speech before the violence. That's not that's not exclusively what they're looking at. Right, the violence was the culmination of Trump sowing doubt in the electoral process and sowing the seeds of having people truly believe that the election was being stolen and that it was illegitimate from the beginning, okay? That's the the scope of the inquiry. The scope of the inquiry goes much, much, much deeper than just that speech. Much deeper. And the fact is, again, lacking objectivity, you have these Republican senators who are already saying, don't you even show me any evidence because I'm already saying just because I want unity or whatever they say, whatever nonsense, 
They weren't saying that when they were sowing doubt in the electoral process by voting to object to the electoral college accruals, but whatever. Now, all of a sudden, they want unity, so don't you dare show me any evidence of actual inciting of insurrection, right? Don't you dare do that. But they're not being honest, right? Because they're not being objective. They're just sowing more BS. Because if you were objective, anybody who has some semblance of a brain understands that before the election even occurred, Trump was saying that it was going to be fraudulent, that the votes that went against him were fraudulent votes, that they were illegal votes, that the vote by mail, even though it was in the midst of a pandemic, and even though, by the way, Republicans have been on a crusade against voting rights for decades, since Jim Crow. And it hasn't ended. I mean, maybe the party switched. But since, since Jim Crow, and, and, and people don't even talk about the fact that the Voting Rights Act, part of it was struck down by the Supreme Court in the last decade. But, but in the midst of them trying to restrict voting even more, Trump further so doubt that when, when, when voting access was made easier because of the pandemic, he acted as if that was some kind of fraudulent system. And despite the fact that our hard-working men and women across the country, especially in populated areas that are predominantly comprised of people of color, busted their ass to, to count the votes and to do so efficiently, as quickly as possible, and really with very few indiscrepancies, according to several recounts and several audits across many different states. He tried to sow seeds of doubt in the election, which culminated the final culmination, the apex, the climax, was the actual siege a siege on the Capitol building. That's the scope of the inquiry. But no, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say no, because right, you have, you have Mitt Romney, you have uh, Sassy, you have uh, the gentleman from Pennsylvania, the Republican. You have people who have said, Collins, who have been objective about it, right? So objectivity is attainable. It is attainable. And, and, and then you, Rick's talking about Netanyahu. And I have a pet name for him. I won't say now. But Netanyahu, yeah, now he's, he's sowing seeds about the hollow. It's just, it never ends, does it? But my point was, they're not being objective. And it's all messaging. They're not even talking about the full scope. They just tr keep leading everybody back to the one speech to try to act like that's the limited scope of the inquiry. And it just it just gets us off track. And it's, it's just very, it's, it's infuriating. So then, as... You know, a derivative of that whole thing this week. What's some more news we had that again goes to this central theme of messaging, equivocating, uh, all these things. What 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 else happened this week? Well, we had this drama with AOC, right? We had AOC come out on Instagram and, and basically recount her fear during the siege. She said essentially that she was hunkered down in her office, hiding in her office bathroom now her office was in the cannon building it's just important to, to note that the cannon building is is attached to the capitol building but it's not the same building but it is attached right it's important to note that a pipe bomb was left at the cannon building they discovered subsequently it's important to note that anybody who was under siege at the time including all the men and women of congress they were not they didn't know if they sieged the cannon building or if they sieged the capitol building they didn't know where they were right they just thought they were anywhere and everywhere so aoc was hiding in her office in her office bathroom she said that a a man came into her office said where is she and the man looked 
angry and threatening, and she wasn't sure if he was a, a rioter or not. Turned out he was a police officer who was trying to evacuate her. She went into how she felt very victimized, and because of her um, past, and Handel, thanks for sharing that. I'm getting there. Um, she said, look, I had past trauma. She, she came out that she was a victim of sexual assault. And so that was her, her, her story, right? Because of that, then the next thing that happened was Republicans started coming out with this nonsense, this nonsense that she was lying, right? That she, because she was in the Cannon building, First of all, again, they, they built a straw man because you always got to build a straw man these days, right? You can never operate on the, the actual factual premise that's before you and try to make an argument on that basis. You've always got to create a fictional straw man that the other side is bringing up to try to attack it because it's much easier, right? So they created this straw man that AOC had said that she was afraid of a rioter, right? And that rioters had come close to her office, which she never said. She said she wasn't sure who the man in the office was. But then they started this whole hashtag on Twitter about her being a liar and all these other things. And how she's, you know, just in a, just fabricating it. And they try to basically allude to Jesse Smollett and like, oh, that's who she's like. She's making it up. So she came back with a vengeance, obviously, and, and it's been largely debunked. But this is how crazy it goes. And you're definitely going to have people in the echo chamber on the right who are going to just believe that now. And, and they're not even going to listen to anything else. It's absurd. Then on the other hand, so what happened was Ted Cruz, when the Robin Hood scandal came out, Ted Cruz, she, she tweeted out that she was appalled at what happened with Robin Hood, right? And Ted Cruz said, well, I agree with you, right? Now, I understand that AOC and Ted Cruz don't get along and that AOC's got a hell of a bone to pick with Ted Cruz. And I mean, I understand that Ted Cruz is an equivocator who went back on his initial opinions of Trump and pretty much seems like he'll do anything to get a vote or just appeal to the base. So whatever with Ted Cruz. But it was interesting that Ted Cruz said, I agree with you, right? Number one, it's kind of funny because... We had Neil on last week to break down the whole Robin Hood situation from an actual knowledge base. So we all learned kind of what went on. And it's interesting that neither AOC nor Ted Cruz bothered to check out the facts there. Instead, they just want to, you know, get on Twitter and, and appeal to their base and populism and all those things and whatever. But then AOC said to Ted Cruz, well, you tried to have me killed. You tried to have me murdered. So... You know, if you want to help the country, resign, right? A lot of people love that. They shared it. It was great. It was big news, whatever. Now, look, is, it, is, is she wrong that Ted Cruz, again, helped to incite the violence? No, he was the one who introduced the objection in the Senate to the uh, Electoral College ratification of certain states. So he participated in the sowing the seeds of doubt in our election. So she has a point. But on the other hand, was it uh, hyperbolic? You know, Was it for the sake of, again, this messaging, this rallying of the base, this riling of the base, this media, Instagram, Twitter headline, as opposed to substantive messaging, substantive legislation? I have to be objective and say yes. 
I mean, why? Why go through that? Because you know it's going to be, you know, I know why, because you know it's going to be shared. It's going to be retweeted. It's going to be retweeted again. It's going to be shared on Instagram. So you got to say that. And AOC was a victim, and she had every right to come out and say she was victimized. She had every right to say that it traumatized her from past traumas. But everybody in there, especially Democrats, even Mike Pence, who I don't think many people are fans of, but he was, they were looking for Mike Pence too, and, and Nancy Pelosi, and all these other people to, quote, string them up. Now, do I think they might have hurt AOC? Do I think she was at particular risk? Yes. Just like Pelosi, just like Pence, probably just like Omar, probably like a lot of these other people. So, she has every right to share her story of victimization. On the other hand, when Cruz just tweets something about Robin Hood, is it necessary to just double down on that and just reemphasize that and just live on that and continue that and continue that and continue that? Is it a little bit of like overdoing the message? I don't know. I don't know, but it just goes to this other, this messaging issue that we have, that everybody's got to double down and triple down and quadruple down on these messages and these things. So it's just an interesting fact that that's a headline. And it's a headline because the right tried to debunk something that AOC didn't do wrong. She simply shared her story of trauma, which is fine, which is, which is again, straight talks. Nice to see somebody share their, their, their heartfelt story of trauma. And then the Republicans had to make up all this nonsense. But part of the other reason that it's in the news is because of the Ted Cruz tweet, right? So they're, they're all kind of participating in this riling up of the bases and, and this messaging and this, you know, throwing, throwing stuff at each other. And it just gets to be exhausting. It gets to be exhausting after a while that that's the main headline, that that's the main thing. We live in this Twitterverse. Everything's a tweet and a jab on a tweet and all these other things. It gets exhausting. And, and in that same vein, and this is the last thing I'll talk about. This is the last thing I'll talk about in regard to the insurrection for this week. Because then I want to get into the stimulus. But the same theme, because there's a lot of this messaging going on in the stimulus. Although, like I said earlier in the show, it's kind of receding back to normalcy now with Biden. So it's, it's more subtle. And we do have a hero and non-equivocator. I don't think this person's ever equivocated, really. In Bernie, Bernie Sanders has been not, he hasn't equivocated at all. He's been completely straightforward. He actually is settling a lot of the nonsense, and we'll get to him in a minute. We'll get to him in a minute. But the final thing is there was this, this, this rioter, last name Fisher. Unfortunately, he's from New Jersey. And he's basically just some, some Instagram nut who was on Instagram and and he has apparently was trying to I guess uh <laughs> claim that he was a dating specialist or a dating advice specialist or something like that and and he was he knew how to seduce women or something this was what he was saying and claiming prior to his participation in the riot right and he was a big Trump supporter and so he participated in the riot, right? And he took pictures and selfies at the riot, and then he, he posted after that it was great or, or it was really exciting or just awesome. Some, some word, I forget the exact word. Just awesome to see cops running or something, which again, so many people who, who are saying, oh, blue lives matter, this and that, and then who are attacking police, obviously the blue lives matter thing is just a front 
for them to attack Black Lives Matter. It has nothing to do with them actually supporting police. That's not true for everybody who says, you know, has the blue striped flag or whatever, because I know actual police officers who have it. And that's another conversation for another day. So I'm not saying everybody who has that flag or whatever is, is that way. But obviously a lot of people who claim to support blue lives are really not supporting blue lives if they're attacking them, right? They're just attacking black lives. It's really it, right? And we all know that because, again, this is this messaging, this equivocation, this nonsense, all right? Instead of just being up front, it's got to be this roundabout crap, right? So anyway, what, what I thought, though, again, with messaging was I'm watching the news today and they're doing this whole story on this Fisher kid. And instead of, like, we all know that if he's just some Instagram weirdo who's, port, you know, portending to be this uh, female seducer, this dating coach. I mean, these guys are a dime a dozen, right? These fitness coaches and dating coaches and uh, life coaches and all these people on social media that want to try to get uh, the blue check mark next to their name and they want to be uh, hailed as influencers or whatever. They embark on all types of crazy theories as to why they're notable people. And they all think that they're some guru. It doesn't mean that they actually are a guru. It doesn't mean that they actually do any of the things they say they do. It just means that they are they have issues and we're in this, this cycle now. So most of us would look at a guy like Fisher and say, okay, I'm not surprised he was at the ride. I'm not surprised he has these warped views. I'm not surprised he has a warped sense of self, a warped sense of reality. And I'm not surprised that he claims to be some sort of you know, dating guru and influencer on Instagram, right? I mean, it's not surprising. It doesn't mean that he's some true woman seducer, right? It just means that he claims to be. Well, I was watching the news today, and then their angle was not, look at this guy, another mentally, you know, maybe mentally ill, maybe mentally unstable person who participated. That wasn't the angle, right? The angle was, well, this is a misogynist. <laughs> he's a misogynist who participated, right? Because it fits the narrative. It checks all the boxes. Now he's a misogynist who participated. So they're acting like, oh, he's, a, he's of sound mind, he actually does seduce all these women. He's actually a misogynist. He, he goes out and sleeps and seduces with you know different women, and he participated, probably because some element in his misogynistic mental you know, makeup also is a contributing factor to people who you know invade the capital. I don't know if it's true or not that people who invaded the capital have some ill, warped sense of misogyny. I mean, perhaps, right? But there's plenty of poetic, uh, romantic uh, leftists who are misogynists, too. I don't know that misogyny really was an angle here. And I don't know that somebody who pretends to be a dating guru but actually looks silly and actually has no actual skills or game or dating sense is really a misogynist, right? They just It's just this messaging, though. They want to fit everything into a box and find clever ways to subliminally get to you, to get you to click, to get you to jump on the bandwagon, to, to stroke these subconscious cultural identifying urges that you have, and they try their best to stoke those things in a binary fashion, and it was just intriguing, and it's just more of this messaging. And all week, even though we're going back to normality with Biden and it's, it's refreshing, there's, there's this thing starting to rear its head, and, and we can't escape it, and it just becomes exhausting. So now let's move on to, to I don't want to say lighter topics but more things in the news that are relevant to all of us. So so we have this stimulus package, right? This recovery package that President Biden is trying to get through Congress. Now, this week, he did meet with several members of the Republican Party. 
um, to try to see if there was any possibility of bipartisanship. Now, we talked last week about the prospect of bipartisanship, and I had said that, you know, it was, it seemed, it was disheartening that it seemed like bipartisanship was not going to come to fruition, and it seemed like voting to keep the filibuster and not even using it as any kind of leverage might be a mistake for the Democrats, right? Because... You know, one thing that's that's definitely a problem, you know, that will only lead to more divisiveness, divisiveness, however you want to say it. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Maybe it's divisiveness, right? One thing that will lead to more divisiveness in this country is this gerrymandering. The fact that there's safe districts, that these people who dared vote their conscience on Trump or on Green... That these people would be primaried, right? You, if you're not pure enough, you get primaried. And that's what gave us such a obstructionist government right now, right? And it could happen on the left too, right? You can be primaried and it's not as bad yet, but it could get there. Where if you're not a purist, if you're not pure, if you haven't towed the party line completely, you will get, you know, you will get primaried. And the only way you could primary people that way so consistently and so... In so many regions across the country is if there's so many safe districts right if districts were more um more diverse and districts were more challengeable then you might have people who were more conscious based voters who were more towards the center that would win and it would you would be penalized for being too pure but now we have this system where you are rewarded for being pure and you're penalized for being objective right anyway one thing that I thought, you know, maybe they should end the filibuster and jam through some legislation on making gerrymandering illegal, right? Because gerrymandering is skewing the uh, number of elected representatives in the Congress for years to come. And it has been for years in the past. And so getting rid of the filibuster and essentially closing the door on any type of legislation that would alleviate that might be a mistake. And you know the Supreme Court is not going to weigh in on that because they've ruled time and time again that it's a political issue and they're not going to outlaw gerrymandering. So anyway, that's just one example. But the reason I brought that up was Biden's trying to get some headway, trying to make some headway with the GOP on his plan. And he's not getting there, right? But I thought it was interesting when I was watching the news again with in relation to this issue because the – message was he had met with certain Republican members and Collins was one of them, Senator Collins, and, and he had said, she came out of the meeting, I guess, saying that Biden was open to listening to her idea. And then the messaging, the semantics took hold and Biden, the White House had to quickly respond and the White House had to say, no, 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 we're open to negotiation, but we are not, I declare, we are not going with Collins or her plan. Like, just to say it, I guess, just to get the messaging out. It's a war of the words. Even though they probably cordially met over daytime tea and hashed out a very pleasant conversation of things they might get done, it had to come out with, like, fists flying, you know, to the public so the public could see that they're fighting it out and he's not going with her. Truth is, there's some elements to the more conservative concerns with this stimulus that may find their way into the bill. So it looks like now they are going to proceed with reconciliation, right? Meaning they're going to push this bill through without any Republican support. They're going to do it by a very slim majority via reconciliation. It's not going to be a bipartisan bill. And you might argue that they have to do that because Republicans simply aren't willing to work with them. It is interesting. The Republicans did propose a, a counter bill, which was 
Instead of $1.9 trillion, it was $680 billion that they were willing to do. Um, it's interesting. The, the primary difference uh, was that there was no state and local aid in the Republican bill. I've said before, and I've, I've, been, I've been consistent, you need state and local aid in any stimulus bill. Part of the problem and part of the reason that you know, unemployment could skyrocket, that uh, we have other issues and, and we have lack of vaccination and things of that nature is because state and local governments are very strapped in some situations. And they are having a lot of trouble staying afloat during this pandemic because their coffers are running dry because of the small business hits and the small business squeeze as well. So you need state and local aid. And one of the main divides was that the Republican plan provided no state and local aid whatsoever. And I still don't understand that because most of the places that need the aid are some of the biggest contributors and tax dollars to the federal government. But that's another story for another day. Um, that was a that was a difference. Uh, and, and yes, Bizon points out the limits on the payments for they, they supported a thousand dollar checks to individual americans but the limit was fifty thousand dollars in salary if you made more than fifty thousand dollars in salary you wouldn't get the full check i don't know if there would be a phase out like there had been in the past and you would get a, a lesser check i don't know but that was a difference unemployment they wanted to extend unemployment through june at three hundred dollars a week and the Democrats want to extend it through, uh, I think, September or October at $400 a week. I mean, some of this stuff's somewhat trivial. And, and you wouldn't know how much is in common and how much is in contrast, right, unless you really delved into it and read all about it. Because the general rhetoric out there is how, you know, they want to push the biggest thing ever and they don't want to push past anything. And, and it's just not accurate. And the other thing that was interesting, again, with this messaging is – Biden has now come out and Biden has said, if there's one thing that's clear, one thing I'm sticking to, it's that we are not budging on the $1,400 check. So Biden essentially is saying, look, I'm giving out $1,400 checks, period. And I'm not budging on $1,400. You can mark my words. But again, see, that sounds so great, right? And so many people that aren't tuned into Logic and Larry and so many people who, so many people who, um, and Paisan, you make a good point, right? I mean, and, and I'll get to another point that the Chamber of Commerce made today, which was interesting. First of all, Paisan, you make a point, right? Because say you made more than 50000 because it goes by last year's taxes, right? Say you made more than 50000 last year, but now you're unemployed. Why should you not get a check, right? And say you made, you know, less than 50000 last year, but now you, you got a raise or you're gainfully employed and you make a hundred or whatever, why should you get a check, right? I mean, it's somewhat arbitrary in and of itself, right? Why aren't we talking more in detail about how we can make sure this does the right thing and makes objective sense? Why are we, you know, playing these games, right? And everybody on Logic and Larry, judging by the comments, is pretty informed on these things. But what else is new? I mean, we are informed people. Many people, unfortunately, are not. And this rhetoric and this messaging is what they listen to. And it's interesting because Biden gets up and says, mark my words, $1,400 checks. I guarantee you when the bill gets passed and the threshold for salary is lower and people don't get a check – they're going to be up in arms saying he lied or, you know, he promised and whatever. Because, again, this messaging nonsense. He said he's sticking to $1,400 checks. But what he didn't say, what he didn't say was that he wasn't budging on the salary thresholds. Because it's Joe Manchin and other moderates are definitely going to lower the salary threshold. I can tell you right now, 
that's not going to be 75,000 again. I highly, highly doubt it's going to be 75,000 again. It's going to be lowered. And Biden has essentially, while he said he's doing $1,400 checks, he hasn't said he's against lowering the threshold. And it will be lowered. I guarantee it. Now, is that a bad thing? No. I mean, at the end of the day, we should be giving money. We should be steering the money that we have to spend into struggling small businesses, people who are unemployed, people who are struggling to pay their rent, rental assistance, even landlords for the people that are struggling to pay their rent, especially small-time landlords who only own one or two properties who are struggling to pay their mortgages. Uh, We should be steering the money into the right places. And... You know, there are some people that I interact with that are, you know, leftist people who claim to be uh, heavy advocates of socialism, which is fine. But, you know, if you're a heavy advocate of socialism, then then one of your pillars should be that you want to steer money toward people who need it more and those who need should help provide. So I shouldn't see people who are, you know, staunch socialist people who are middle class gainfully employed having any objection to steering the money more towards those who need it as opposed toward them towards themselves um, but unfortunately you know this is human nature this is what we deal with and people are very some people not all people and in fact most left minded people who are educated on the situation seem to understand that you have to steer the money into the right places um, and, and many other people just want the money in their pocket and that's a sticking point it's interesting because, and this is another bit of news, again, with this whole messaging that came out. As a part of the stimulus situation, Larry Summers, who was the, he was a, in, in the Obama administration. Uh, he's a very well-known you know, economic advisor, uh, somebody who's been involved in the financial sector for a very long time. Larry Summers came out today and, you know, he kind of threw some cold water on Biden's stimulus. And and what he said was, you know, if we spend extravagant amounts of money on a stimulus, and this is closer to, you know, the type of money we would spend during World War II to get out of the Great Depression, as opposed to the kind of money we'd spend on the size of the recession that we're currently facing or the size of the recession that we faced under the, you know, when Obama came into office, he said, we risk creating uh, massive inflation, you know, at a rate that we haven't seen in a generation. And he, he was saying, look, I've been worried about stagnation for the last two decades because we actually haven't gotten enough inflation and it causes problems. But now with this massive spending bill, if it goes to the wrong places, we could actually wind up hurting ourselves, meaning we could cause inflation to the extent that the money we are spending to assist people would actually be less effective because the value of the dollar would be less. So therefore, if you're giving me $100 to help me, but you're spending so much so fast in the wrong places that the value of each dollar goes down, then the money you're giving me, the $100, the equivalency of what that's worth is actually less than $100. So you're hindering your own effectiveness is what he said, right? And what he said was that the price tag, right, the $1.9 trillion price tag was not problematic. He didn't see that as a problem, right? He just thought that if you sp- you have to spread that $1.9 trillion out and you need to dole it out in the form of investments into long-term um, projects that would have a, a net positive and a net 
longevity uh, for the economy and for economic growth. And I think what he meant by that was if you're going to spend $1.9 trillion, you should uh, invest a substantial amount in things like renewable energy, right? Things like infrastructure projects. I mean, if you're going to stimulate the economy, you should stimulate the economy in a way that's sustainable and that will create jobs for a long time. And you should spread the $1.9 trillion out over several years, as opposed to a rapid cash infusion in the form of direct checks to Americans and those types of things, which could run the risk of causing inflation. Now, people have pushed back on that. There's more than one way to look at that analysis. That was simply Larry Summers' analysis, although I thought he made some good points. One of the counterpoints was, well, the Fed could then raise interest rates and try to keep inflation in check. That's their job. They could do it. That is true, okay? Um, But one of the things I thought that was interesting that, again, goes to this messaging conflict was that the White House essentially pushed back. And the White House said, well, this isn't a stimulus, right? And this is one of the things I've I've been... I guess bickering with people about from the beginning of these stimulus talks, right? Which was when you claim it's a people were going out on the Republican and the Democratic side saying people need this money to stay afloat. They need this money because they're struggling, right? But they weren't giving checks. (laughs) Deezy over here. They weren't giving checks to people. To keep them afloat if the criteria, right, that keeping people afloat was the rental assistance, keeping people afloat was the unemployment insurance, keeping people afloat wasn't the $1,000 checks to people who were employed. That was stimulus money. And when we say stimulus, we mean that money was meant to be spent to stimulate the economy. That's separate from the money that went to struggling people to keep them afloat. So the White House essentially pushed back on Summers and said, look... This isn't a stimulus. A stimulus is to stimulate the economy and grow GDP and things like that. This is not that. This is to just keep people afloat. And and look, again, it's lost in the messaging because which one is it, right? It's really both. It's really both, right? If we're being honest with ourselves, the money going to unemployment and to rental insurance and to small businesses to keep them afloat is money to keep people afloat. It also stimulates the economy, but that's an ancillary effect, right? Because if you're keeping somebody afloat who wouldn't otherwise have any spending power and you give them spending power, you're stimulating the economy, right, as an effect of keeping people afloat. But if you're issuing checks and infusing cash into bigger businesses who have cash reserves and you're creating jobs in the form of... Uh, new industries or job-creating government-sponsored programs, you are primarily stimulating the economy and secondarily keeping people afloat. The truth is this bill is both. It's both. So this this dual messaging of it's keeping people afloat, no, it's a stimulus, it's both. And you got to call it what it is. Because if it's both, then you have to consider both aspects of it, right? One aspect being keeping people afloat. And you better have adequate aid in there to keep struggling people afloat. And on the other hand, you better, if you're going to stimulate the economy and you want the economy to keep growing, you better stimulate the economy in an effective way. So, yeah, and it's true. Outside of Arizona, I mean, look, in New Jersey, it's a lot different than it is. That's another thing with the federal thing. And speaking of federal stuff, this is where I wanted to get to. So one of the things they had in this bill, the stimulus bill, was the $15 minimum wage. And, and I don't know, to me, that's a separate issue, right? I mean, 
it's advantageous for progressives to put that in the bill because it's a it's a it's a good time to try to put something in a bill that they've long sought. But is it a stimulus? I don't know. I mean, if people get paid more, they'll spend more, right? But on the other hand, if you're a struggling small business and now all of a sudden you have a much higher overhead on your books to pay a higher wage, you might go out of business. So that's a dual thing. And I've seen analysis from the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, that offers pros and cons to a a federal minimum wage hike. Uh, There's a lot of pros to it, a lot of benefits to all of us. There's some downsides to it. It's been analyzed. I'm not going to get into that whole Discussion. It's another discussion for another day, and I invite people to speak on it at some point. But interestingly, they were going to put that in the bill, but I don't know if that, I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's part of the stimulus or part of a float or, or if it's just an agenda item they want to do. What's interesting is where Bernie comes in. A Republican member introduced an amendment to the bill that would essentially say that, or wouldn't essentially, it would say that the no minimum wage hike would occur during the duration of the pandemic. Bernie, being savvy and being upfront as he is, said, I, I sign on to that. I'll sign on to that amendment right now. I have no problem with that amendment. And the reason he said that was like, I'm not trying to raise the minimum wage right now, abruptly in the middle of a pandemic. I want to raise the minimum wage gradually over time so that it's $15 nationally by 2025. So I don't care. I'm fully down with that. I'm fine with it. Now, as of now, it's still in the bill. But I have a an inkling that the moderates in the Senate won't pass it because I don't know that it's a stimulus thing. When they do the infrastructure bill, maybe it's more appropriate for that bill. Um, th- but I, I feel like that's the type of thing that needs a separate debate because when we talk about regional finances – the truth is, in New Jersey, it's a much more expensive to live than in other states and in California and et cetera. And some places can afford things. You know, businesses can afford higher wages and differently than other places. In other places, the wages you need to live comfortably or don't need to be as high. It's a, it's a complex, complex issue. I think we all agree that since the minimum wage hasn't hasn't kept up with inflation and since wages have generally stagnated over the last 50 plus years resulting in a struggling middle class that wages need to be higher. I don't think there's a dispute to that as far as most people in this podcast are concerned anyway. But we have to do something regionally and with the right planning and with the right debate and analytical approach if we're going to do that. And I just thought it was interesting how it was initially going to try to go into this bill. And again, the messaging is all over the place. And it's just interesting, right? It's just a, a complex, convoluted issue that is again, again, put into the put into here. And, and the final piece of news, and I guess my, my main point in all of this about the messaging and my eye rolling is, I just wish, you know, imagine if we could, imagine if they were as frank or just the general societal dialogue was as frank as we are on this show or we are with each other when we're in the bar or we're on the podcast or we're chilling in my backyard or wherever we are. Or I was I'm chilling in DZ's house, you know, bumping some good underground music and just kicking it, you know, having a beer, which we always do and we always talk about these issues. I mean, imagine if we could just be more frank and if the dialogue was more frank in general. 
how much more we could hammer in and really drill down the details of these issues and really come to understandings and find solutions guided by our respective ideologies, but could really find ways forward if we weren't so caught up in messaging that continuously tried to galvanize respective bases or respective uh, clicks and things to try to always come out on top or always win the day or appear to be winning the day, you know, those types of things. It would just be refreshing if we could talk about the issues. And these messaging, whether it applies to the stimulus or whether it applies to the impeachment, what I think it has the effect of doing outside of the circles of people who are actually doing doing the work is it confuses people. It confuses people as to the issues. They don't know who to vote for to, to benefit themselves. They don't really know what's going on. They don't really know the pros and cons of the things being discussed. And it's just uh, it's it's very disappointing for... A nation with so much potential for participatory politics, so much potential for information in this day and age to be disseminated and proliferated properly, that we are always caught up in these messaging disputes and this equivocation about the issues. It's just a bit disappointing, and I wish we could cut through that more and more and more. I just rolled my eyes all week because almost every piece of news that was introduced was in some way you know, filtered through some messaging machine one way or the other, and it just clouded what was actually taking place and what was actually going on. And it just it just eventually, you know, it's, it's been going on, it's nothing new, but it just, it gets, it, get, it gets old. And, you know, one of the interesting things, too, is um, Bill Maher on a show recently, and I posted the link, you know, he, he broke down this one thing, and it was about, you know, Waxman, who was a senator, who only recently retired, I believe. Look, he he got a lot of progressive things done. And he did it wearing a tie, and he did it doing the work of the everyday intricacies of legislating and negotiating and compromising and passing bills. And Bill Maher kind of made the point that, look, all the the screaming and the the violence and the uh, shouting and, and claiming to be culturally politically to one side or the other isn't actually what gets things done. It's not actually what achieves things. And it seems like now we are so caught up in whether you're AOC going at Ted Cruz on Twitter, whether you're uh, Hawley, uh, you know, just pontificating about nonsense to try to get on Trump's good side, whether you're McCarthy refusing to stand up to Green because of some perception about the populism of the base, you know, whether you're Joe Biden saying, well, I'm not going with the Collins plan just because I don't want to look like I'm bending to Republican will, whether you're Republican saying I'm not going to vote for anything and none of us are going to vote for this, even though we agree on a lot of aspects of it, just because we can't go with Biden and his his agenda, or now I care about the deficit, but I didn't care about it last time, and yada, yada, and on, and on, and on, and on. You know, Marr made the point, it's people like Waxman, people that are just doing the actual work, the intricacies, talking about the cold, hard facts, and the actual policies that get things done, and this obsession with being popular with the base, instead of educating the base, instead of straight talking to the base, letting the people know what you're doing, is just, it just sucks. And the final note I'll touch on, because we did touch on the minimum wage and the stagnation of middle class wages, was Paul Lully today pointed out uh, in the Logic and Larry discussion, one of the things he wanted me to address was Amazon. 
Amazon. And, and look, my feelings on Amazon as a Newarker, you know, they're pretty well documented. You had Jeff Bezos who essentially dangled this carrot on a stick out to all of these cities, many of whom were in need of tax base, many of whom – you know, we're willing to legislate their way into a a tax system with Amazon in mind that would have been extremely beneficial to corporatism and Amazon, perhaps at the perhaps to the um, not demise. I'm, I forget the word. I'm not always I'm not always that efficient with my eloquency off the cuff. I try. I strive to be, but I am not always to. Much to the something, I can't come up with the word, but whatever, of the people living in that area. Um, I thought it was, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting was he put Newark in the final whatever it was, final 10 or 15, whatever it was. And, you know, I had, I was on the fence, right? I thought it would be a good addition to the city. It would, you know, really bring a lot of commerce in and this and that. On the other hand, we know what things like that have done to Newark in the past. They built highways right through neighborhoods. They don't always, the money doesn't always, if, if it seldom gets back into the communities. Um, and, and they would have, who knows what they would have demanded. Would it really have helped the city? I don't know. But regardless, New Jersey thought it would. Newark thought it would. And, you know, Bezos made it sound like he was going to pick one place. One place. And then it turned out to be two different places, which he never told anybody. He had everybody, basically he pitted different metropolitan areas in a bidding war against themselves. There you go, DZ. Thank you. Thank you, DZ. I knew somebody out there. DZ's always quick with the eloquence. Um, he pitted all these cities against each other in a bidding war, right? And he, he made it, he acted as if there was actually some question as to where he was going to put the headquarters. And he acted as if there was actually some true um, analysis of the different pros and cons of every city. And then he just said, no, actually we're doing two. We're putting one in the D.C. area in Virginia. And then we're going to put one in Queens because we want to be in New York City. That was the plan from the whole the whole time, and everybody knows it. And that was that was a shitty thing to do, in my opinion. Okay, a shitty thing to do. And then what really got me was after he chose to put it in Queens. And let me just tell you something. So Queens is all the way out on Long Island. Okay, it's still close to the harbor and all of that. But the simple fact is that Newark is the same exact metropolitan direct vicinity. It's just on the west side of Manhattan instead of the east side of Manhattan. It's got a bigger, better port. It's closer to all the other transportation systems that connect to the rest of the city, including rail, planes. Yeah, they have them in Queens too, but we have them right here, and the highway system. Newark's way easier to get in and out of to the rest of the country, and it's got a better port. And he picked Queens because he wanted to be in New York. But then when Queens said no, he didn't even look at New. He didn't say, oh, now let me go to Newark because I really want to be in the region. And Newark's got better access, a better infrastructure for that, which it does by far. He didn't say that. He said, well, then I'm not doing it, right? So that was just a big farce, a farce. That's my opinion. I, th I think it was a farce. It was crap. And speaking of farce and bad messaging and, and deceit, Bezos stepped down this week as the CEO when he's going to be the chairman of the, the board or something like that. But buried in the headlines, buried in the headlines of Amazon, Paul pointed out, and I thank him for that, 
was this settlement that Amazon paid to their employees because Amazon had been cooking the books for years with certain employees. They had been taking the employees' tips. Taking the employees' tips. And cooking the books to help themselves with taxes and to help themselves to cheat employees out of different money and benefits. And one of the things I read in the article was that there was a facility in Alabama where they were looking to unionize, and they're an Amazon facility, they were looking to unionize, but because Alabama's a right-to-work state, not everybody had to participate in the union, and that would obviously hurt membership. But speaking of a living wage, you know, we, we continuously, because again, whatever's in vogue now is in vogue, and that's what we look at. And, and everybody these days is, you know, we need a higher minimum wage, the federal government should legislate a higher minimum wage, blah, 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 blah. But the truth is that one of the biggest reasons that we've lost so much income in the middle class over the last 50 plus years is the decrease in unionization, the decrease in union membership, and the movement of jobs that were once very heavily unionized in the North to places in the South where unions, where there was anti-union legislation that made it more beneficial to companies. And I just thought that that popping up in the news this week, speaking of messaging, you know, Amazon, again, this, yes, as Rick points out, this this beacon of capitalism starting in his garage, which he did, and it is a beacon of capitalism, right? But the, oh, we're going to provide jobs to you by coming to your city and this and that. And we employ so many people, and they do employ a lot of people. But buried underneath that messaging campaign was this piece of news that was buried, probably tactfully, under the news of Bezos stepping down. And, and he stole the headlines, so he didn't read the other headlines. Because if those headlines had come to light, there might be a bigger push, not only in Amazon, but a bigger push across the spectrum for pro-union legislation and more unionization. And my thing with unionization is, if you are a true capitalist, right, you should... There's no logical reason not to be for unionization because unionization, especially in the private sector, the public sector is a little bit of a different story, right? And, and many people who are left-minded have issues with police unions because, you know, they are protecting police from certain reforms that people on the left want to pursue, yet people on the left are generally more union-oriented. So rather than getting into unionization on the public sector, talking about unionization on the private side, there's no downside because you have to negotiate against an actual profit margin. You have to negotiate against an actual viability to benefits and wages based on the profitability of the company. So why shouldn't a collective group of employees be able to negotiate with a management regime in a given company to reach an optimal sharing of profits so that there's an optimal quality of life for employees and a you know non-contentious as best as you can get once you have a contract uh, 
way of interacting between management and ownership and employees, and wouldn't that kind of raise all boats? We talk so much about minimum wage, and we talk so much about you know government infusion of cash and, and government aid to people directly. What about the encouragement of simple union membership? That could be a huge step in that direction without going through all of these things we debate, deficit spending and everything else, and lack of benefits and subsidization of employees who work for big companies. Union membership could alleviate a lot of those problems without the government getting involved. So it was interesting that that Amazon news popped up this week. I thought it was worth touching on, especially within the context of the stimulus and people struggling and uh, the economic considerations and the minimum wage issue. Just thought it was interesting. Um, with all of those different things discussed and said, let's uh, get some people on the phone. We didn't have a lot of calls. And I do want to tell you, by the way, that once the stimulus does pass, Neil's going to come back on the show because he had some involvement in actually, as I understand, actually helping to, to craft some of the legislation on the last stimulus. And he has some good knowledge of the inside-out details of the stimulus. So once this passes, we'll have him back on to discuss it. I think next week we're going to try to have Charles Riley on to debate the merits of you know, farther leftism versus centrism and, and what's the more beneficial approach nowadays. So we have some good shows coming up for you guys. But in the meantime, uh, let me pull up the Skype and get the phone calls, get the phone running here. Because I know we didn't really, all we had was Neil last week as a special guest. We didn't have any calls. And the week before, I don't think I took any calls. Um, so let's let's see if we can get some calls coming in. You guys know the number by now, I hope. It, which is 973-536-2530. Go ahead and give the phone a ring. We're going to take a couple calls before I sign off for the night. So looking forward to hearing from you guys. 973-536-2530. Call into my uh, little studio here in Newark, New Jersey and uh, talk to me. Let's hear what you want to, whatever you want to, whatever's on your mind. You want to agree with me? You want to take issue with something I said? You want to bring up a whole new topic as we sometimes do? Go ahead and call. 973-536-2530. You're on the air, and this would be Rick from Arizona? It is Rick from Arizona. How did you know that? <laughs> I know by now. But, hey, I like to You're just like still... <laughs> I still like to just announce, you know, who's on. So, what's going on, Rick? How you feeling tonight? How's the weather over there? The weather is weird. It's really too warm. Like, I can go outside without a jacket and bask in the sunshine and I feel bad for all of you fucks in the eastern part of <laughs> right who are stuck in the snow in the northern part of the country yeah we literally have to navigate through like mountains of snow right now in Newark as we walk through the sidewalks and drive around it, it makes traffic worse yeah, too so those pictures were amazing though it was like somebody killed New Jersey and just put a blanket of snow to cover the <laughs> yes yes and that wasn't the worst I've seen. A couple of years, 16 was worse, 96 was worse, but this was pretty big. This was pretty big, so, you know, we usually get at least one or two of those a winter. I don't really know where to start. There's a lot of things that tie into a lot of other things here, and uh, I kind of want to just hit some hot spots. So let's go with the election mm -hmm. slash Netanyahu slash Hitler. Okay, all right, let's do that. So, what, yeah, what do you got there? And now we know Netanyahu's a nationalist, right-wing type guy, even though he's the president of Israel, so he feeds into that. This was back a couple, few years, and mm -hmm. he was saying that uh, somebody in 
Israel convinced Hitler to actually kill the Jews, whereas Hitler didn't want to do that. Uh, I forget the guy's name. It was it was uh, a Husseini kind of guy. I think his name was Husseini. Really? Anybody well, he's saying an is he's saying an Israeli convinced him. No, that oh. before before Jerusalem was established for the yes. for the Jews. Yes. Well, uh, Al Husseini, I believe, was the guy. So anyway, Hitler came out, and this applies to the thing with um, Trump, right? Because mm-hmm. Hitler said something about the Jewish financiers. They're not going to bolshevitize our country. Yes, yes. Um, but he he said something like the annihilation or expunging of the Jews from Europe. Right, right. right. Which isn't the same thing as killing all the Jews. Right, right. right. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did in his July or June or January 6th thing. Which was further exacerbated by the guy he pardoned, Michael Flynn. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you see? Did you see that speech? I don't think so. Yeah, that was the night before. Right. January fifth. Okay. And him and Papadopoulos spoke. Two people that Trump had pardoned. Yes. So, I, I mean, it's not hard to tie that together, right? Right. It's no. like going, "Oh, hey." Tony Soprano's uncle said that, not Tony Soprano. Right. Tony Soprano didn't tell those guys actually, like, whack that dude. Right. Like, that guy's got to go. Eh. <laughs> right. So you, you're saying they're going to... He's out of New York. Right. <laughs> or Jersey. Yeah. You're saying they're going to tie that speech maybe into their prosecution of Trump for the insurrection? Well, I, I read the, the Trump's lawyer's response to the whole impeachment thing right first of all it's based on the unconstitutionality of ejecting a president that's not president anymore right right that's their that's their their first yeah first argument right he didn't actually say these things right right he just he just you know i i but it'd be like to me that's the equivalent of hitler going ah you know occupying blah 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 the jews suck and then going but uh, but you know, don't kill them. Right, right, right. The speech. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I hear you. They need you. To go. They've wrecked our economy. They're destroying our country. Blah blah blah. They, you need to be strong and you need to stand up and have courage. But I'm not saying you'll know, actually kill them. Right. I know what you're saying. Yeah, again, but again, semantics, which is what we're talking about on the show tonight. Yeah, like you're just hung up on this, the words. Like, you know what he meant. He was trying to see, sow seeds of unrest in the country and say the election was fraudulent, but he didn't really say it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. No, he did. He did. That's a good point. That ties in with everything we're talking about, too. It makes a lot of sense. That was more of that semantic yeah, nonsense. I'm trying to say but it's really hard for me sometimes. Right? No, no, I get it. I get it. That makes sense. That makes no, sense. The same thing with Marjorie Taylor Greene. She won her election in Georgia where she's trying to claim election fraud and Dominion machines. Yes, you know? yes. I mean, how did she do that? Yeah, I've never understood that nonsense either. I mean, we, we retained a solid group of people and we actually took seats in the House but the ballots are fraudulent, you know, because Trump didn't win. And, and it hurts their own cause. That's what I, underst- what I don't understand, Rick, is if you're in a stronger position and essentially you've picked up seats but Trump has lost, who cares if he's on the same party as you or whatever? If anything, say, hey, this shows that you're not as popular as you thought and we have more power than you do. Now I can call you out. What's the doubling down of like, well, you lost – 
and we picked up seeds, so we're gonna kiss your butt even more. I don't. I just don't get it. I don't even get what the benefit is to them. It's just nuts. It's the same. It's all about base. I mean, ultimately, that's what it comes down to, right? It's why. It's why they censored sassy, which is another thing you discussed. Yes. They just a warning. Hang on, I actually pulled this up. The actual resolution of censure, right? Oh, I'd like to hear this. There's there's a line in there where it says, "Whereas Senator Ben Sassy has publicly shown contempt for Donald J. Trump, and likewise he has made disparaging remarks towards the Trump family." That's what it says. Right? That's the resolution. Yeah, that's- <laughs> They're going to They're sanction him for that? Other ones. I posted one of them where he was saying, let's see, da, 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 da. He, he, I mean, obviously Sassy said he did incite a riot at the U.S. Capitol. Mm-hmm. He said uh, Trump was delighted about the riot. Mm-hmm. Right? He said, uh, then he talked about Holly, the dumbass stunt based on lies that the election was fraudulent. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to get him on saying that, you know, Trump violated his oath of office, which is what the whole impeachment is about. But then he said, let's see, Sassy says Trump mistreats women, flirts with white supremacy, and secretly mocks evangelicals. And okay. They're like, <laughs> and he irresponsibly handled the coronavirus pandemic. That's one of their reasons for censoring yeah, but you know what's funny? That's the only thing is the coronavirus that actually has any kind of semblance and validity. It's so crazy that it's scary that they are saying you can be officially sanctioned as a member of a party for insulting a person. Like that's that shows the cult of personality and the warped worship of this guy in this you know, dogmatic way that becomes like a dictatorship tyranny thing where you get sanctioned just for criticizing the guy himself. That's insane. Like, the party has yeah, to adhere Marjorie to it. Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Right. Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, this guy even said somewhere, uh, hang on, I want to find it here in this censure. Just insane, really, really crazy. Yeah, because they're after him. And I told you the other day about the whole century here of McCain's wife and and Jeff Lake. Yes, you did tell me that. Else. Yes, yeah, they were censoring people in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Because because they refuse. It's all about they refuse to say that the election was fraudulent. So therefore, they should be censured. Right. Insane. It's absolutely. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. It just say, okay. They censored Sassy for being inexcusably ignorant of the laws governing free speech, because that's Trump's defense as well, right? That was right, yeah, yeah. As if the President of the United States doesn't have a certain yes, set right. of parameters he's supposed to obey. I mean, these people that complain about this on the web, I, I just, I always want to engage and go, go to your boss at work and tell him what you really think about him, and when he fires you, try to cite your free speech. <laughs> right. Well, also, too, I mean, <laughs> They're also infringing on Sassy's free speech rights for calling out something that he sees as yeah, as a problem, dude. <laughs> right, <laughs> which is <laughs> ironic to say the least. It's just a, we're in silly land. Eh? We're in we're in objectivity is is a fantasy. It's it's insane. Uh, I you know thanks for sharing that resolution too because actually the actual words are enlightening that we actually hear the irony and hypocrisy in 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 the flesh. <laughs> Crazy. It really is. It's the same against everything. I was just trying to find the part where 
he said, because Sassy had said, you know, I called this shit out when Obama was president, too, and you guys didn't say dick. <laughs> right. Basically. Good. That's, right. that's my paraphrase. Right. I'm not quoting Ben Sassy there. <laughs> right, 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 right. But no, but he, he essentially said that, right. Yeah, and, and so, yes, and, that, and I think that all pertains to what you said tonight, as far as I know. It and does. there's something else I wanted to address, but I can't remember now. Well, it might have been. Can't the, remember? What was it? Do you have any semblance of what it was about? I'm getting there. It, it, it was about. I mean, if somebody else wants to call in, please let them. Right. I mean, they would. You would get call waiting, right? If somebody else wanted to call in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you oh, want to call, I'm call in. Because last week I didn't even listen to you, and nobody called, and I felt really bad. <laughs> sometimes you know the. It depends on the topics too, and I think the night. Sometimes people want have a lot to say, and they they want to say something about a topic, and or they had something on their mind, and sometimes people just content to sit back and listen. So. You know, it always I think, depends. I think it has something to do with the whole AFC and uh, all that hypocrisy going around there. All right, so let's talk about that. And guys, if you don't, if you have, then if you want to call, it's nine seven three five three six twenty five thirty nine seven three five three six twenty five thirty. So, what were your thoughts on the AOC thing, Rick? I, I just, it, it's it's sad how quickly they go. Oh, look at her poor victim. You know, right when. When they they really don't like they could give a shit about anything, right, right. Overall, I mean, but but I do get the the aspect uh, AOC like we're saying she was in the other building or whatever, possibly in the other building. But they were all in session, weren't they? I mean, they were. That's what what I don't under, even understand is my understanding initially was that they were in session. Getting counting the votes, but then from what I've seen and read, she was in that cannon building, which is attached. Now I don't know if a major, a good portion of them were able to, you know, go through the hallways and just be in their office before anybody breached the building. Or, you know, sometimes you know you're watching C-SPAN, you see the guy making a speech, uh, but no one's sitting there, and I don't know if they were all physically there. I, that I don't know because another lady who's a Republican, said she has the office next door in the Cannon Building, and she was there, too. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's 500-something of them. I don't know if they were all actually literally sitting in the in the, in the their seat in the House or if they were in their build, their office, but, yeah. yeah. yeah wasn't it the Senate and the House were both, like, in session? It's supposed to be a joint session. Like, oh, we have an opposition, so now we have to take a recess. Yes. The House decide on this. Yes, and that's what I thought it was. Yeah. But, but apparently she was in her office in that cannon building, which, again, is attached, but not technically the same building. So right. and, and, and these people probably didn't know that. And that's funny that uh, that Onion article mm-hmm. that your buddy posted. Was that Garana? It might have been. I, don't even, I didn't see. I saw you say the Onion. I didn't see who posted it. Yeah, it was the Onion, and it said something about... Uh, Hang on, I'm going to pull that up because it was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I love the obviously sarcasm all the time. Right, right. And it, and it said that um, the people that were against it said, uh, a quick examination of the Capitol grounds map we gave to the insurrectionists will prove that while they stormed the area where we drew the big act, the representative was actually in the location that was nowhere close to it. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. That's really funny. I love that. I love that. But that, but that really happened, though. You know what I mean? They really had those 
tours, right? Yes. They brought people in. They showed them where it was. There were people with bullhorns going, no, no, you go down the hallway to the left. Yes, yes, right, yes. Right? No, well, look, I don't – that's the thing where I think it's nuanced with the AOC thing where – you know, on the one hand, you could talk about the Ted Cruz thing, which I, you know, I took a little issue with. But on the other hand, to pretend that somebody with such a high profile like an AOC was not probably actually at risk of real violence and in the top five at most at risk members would be it'd be a farce to pretend she wasn't. You know what I mean? She she was probably at a elevated risk as compared to some others. So it's nuanced, you know. Yes. So there is validity to that, you know? I mean but on the other hand, like perpetuating Cruz tweets about Robin Hood and she's like in my opinion anyway, and then she's like, Well you ha- you try to have me killed it seemed to be a bit of like doubling down on like the publicity Kind of yeah. Twitter verse, you yeah, know. Like Mark, Mark was this shit about well, what happened to the people in Portland who broke windows? Yeah, Mark and I called, and Mark said, you know, well, I'm just gen- legitimately asking, but it's like, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, so every time you bring up the Capitol ride, somebody getting arrested, like, what happened to the people that broke the windows? Like, why are we even engaging in that? Well, this and that and this and that, just like yo, the people who broke the windows in Portland, they're in trouble, and the people who stormed the Capitol are in trouble. They're not the same. There's a lot of differences. There's some similarities. They're all in trouble. Why are we trying to point fingers and why are we playing the games? That's what I'm tired of, Rick. You know, the games. And, and, and you're right. And you have really schooled me on that. I mean, in a good way. Right. You know what I mean? You've really made me have to adjust my focus into something more specific and not go, how come it was okay when the Republicans right. were doing this and it's not okay when Obama's doing it? And I, and I get that, and you're right. You're right. We have right. to clear this up. Just like I've been after people all week, they keep posting that video of, like, Trump and that crazy fucking Guilfoyle lady. Wait, wait, wait. Which was that? What's that? Well, I said, which was that? Like, just elaborate on, on that you just mentioned, because I oh, didn't... Well, uh, my left-wing people are posting that video with Guilfoyle dancing and, you know, Trump Jr. and Trump's in the... In right. The, and, they're, and they're posting that and, and, and saying that that's what they were doing during the attack on the Capitol. Gotcha. Like, no. Right. Misconstrued. Right, right. That's that's during the rally. That's before Trump even spoke. Right. You can hear fucking Gloria Gaynor, right? <laughs> singing the song. Right. Even they're probably not licensed to have it. That's right. irrelevant. <laughs> right. This is not this is not them this is not them celebrating while the insurrectionists tear down our capital. Right. This is what led to that event. Right. And I said, you know, I hate and and so of course I'm like they're like, oh, you, you're a Trump supporter. You can't <laughs> right. possibly su- support Bernie Sanders if you think this way. <laughs> right. I'm like, what, is, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Right. I mean, seriously. And you know what's funny yeah. is like, yeah, you probably get the rap that I get, which is like, you're just trying to be an, a pain in the ass. Like, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm trying to be consistent and just trying to point out the, the ab- objective fact that exists outside of us so we can talk about the situation because he still incited insurrection. I just want you guys to be on the right premise so that we have credibility you know what i mean it's like you just yeah. it's it is important you know i specifically pointed that out i said this is the kind of shit that when it comes down to it we say something else that is factual they go oh yeah just yes like they were in the tent celebrating the insurrection yes right yes yeah 
I was like, we, we have to be truthful. It, it, it pains me to have to, like, defend anything that has to do with the Trump administration. Right. I mean, it's an absolute, like, oh, <laughs> sack up, man. you got to do this. <laughs> right. It's but, not pleasant. But, but it is what it is. Right. And, and I think... That's where I've been for a while, which people got frustrated with me sometimes, I think. But people, I think a lot of people come around, not because of me, but they're just like, okay, like, shit, we kind of get it, too. Like, we, we even see things that annoy us now. Like, when we look at things, it's because I just couldn't bear to say, even if I agreed with the sentiment and the movement of something, or if it was factually inaccurate, not to be an annoying person, just to be like, hey, 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 just so you know, this is the parameter, because of exactly what you just said, Rick, when you have that conversation right. later, they can't point out and say, just like blah, 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 like he was celebrating. It just kills your credibility. And if you are if you throw people a bone here and there, like, no, I hear you on that. That's true. That was misconstrued. But have you seen this? That just gives you the upper hand. And, like, you have, you have to listen to me because I've never, I've never pontificated or equivocated about shit. I've always been operating in reality. So when I make a point, like, I'm making – and I don't mean me. I mean you saying that, any of us. You know, when we make a point, you got to listen. But you have you have corrected me on that a number of times, and I get I get passionate, and I get wound mm-hmm. up in my in my thing, you know, mm-hmm. and I do. That's that's a fact. But I mean, usually uh, there was a case. I don't know, was that a week ago? And uh, Bracken was talking about something, and I mm-hmm. was like, "Well, gerrymandering." And you're like, "What's that to do with gerrymandering?" And I'm like, "Well, yes." Oh, <laughs> yes, no, that was good. No, true. Because I was just like, dude, Jeremy, because we're talking about a Senate. And you were like, shit, I didn't, I didn't realize we're talking about a Senate. I thought we were talking about a state senator. And yeah, yeah. just that basic shit, not even – not for any reason. Not just to say – just to point out, hey, hey, Jeremy doesn't, doesn't involve this. And I, yeah, it just – oh, shit, you're right. And then it's it, you know. And then it just advances the conversation, you know, because we could have gone down that rabbit hole, which we probably would agree yeah. on, Jeremy, Manning, but just wasn't relevant to that topic. So I just had to say, hey – it just that and that was it like you know and 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 Bracken especially with his statuses cuz he you know Bracken we got to get him back on the show too um, yeah <laughs> political yeah, action Bracken <laughs> you know he's 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 on he's doing all kinds of different action right now i got to get him back into political action and get on the show but yeah <laughs> but no i i agree i think i think we've stayed on topic as far as what your show was about and the the misinformation or the trying to stick to the point instead of in, instead of the clickbait shit. Yes. Where somebody says, "Oh, Alexandria Kate Cortez says rape is okay." <laughs> right, <or whatever>. right. <laughs> <laughs> but and you know what's I, I it is it is the 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 show because you know what I found too. I know you and I have operated better this way, and I think most people I've ever spoken to that I've only had ever had any headway with, or I've ever had any actual productive conversation with, is always when we finally put to rest those messaging that that hyperbolic like energy, emotional energy. We've actually said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's rewind. What's the objective truth, independent of both of us? What is that? Okay. Now, your perspective is this because you believe this, mine is this, but we know this is the result, this is the, the truth, this is the ways you could approach it, these are the ways, the, the possible outcomes, these are some of the outcomes we've seen in examples or experiments, these are the others, like, regardless of our emotion, we could still bring our ideology to the table, but I've always had better productivity with somebody when we get to that point, you know, when we're actually talking about the objective truth, because it's just like because you know, it just forces both of you to just be like okay shit this is the thing we're you know but we're not but we're not the normal 
American citizen. Obviously, there's no right, million right. QAnon followers. I know, I know, no, I know. I mean, that's a that's a disgusting number. Right? It is, it is, it is. No, I agree. I don't so, think I don't think we're that. I think, you know, what's funny too is I don't I don't think that when when we get into that or, or we get in, you and I get into that with any other respective people, especially in our circles or on the show or wherever. Right. We kind of have some somewhat accepted that a, a grand bulk of people are never going to get on that level. But the people yeah, we no. yeah, the people we know who can get on that level, we want to get there. Like, dude, look, you have the capacity to get this shit. So think, but you know what I mean? Like, yes, deep state. we have to form the deep state with those people. <laughs> no, right, right. We have to form a movement to to get to that point because no one's helping. And that's what bothers me about when we were talking about the show today, Rick was. The people that have the capacity, like I said, there's no way that those 60 people who voted to remove Cheney and the 11, you know, as opposed to the 11, the, the 50, the 49 who voted to remove Cheney but not take Green off the committee. You can't tell me that all 49 just lack any ability to be objective. They just chose not to. And that's that's more egregious than people who can't, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, but that's 30 million QAnon people that will donate to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Mm -hmm. and, and even McConnell knows that. And that's why they've done nothing. And these people all day, the left are celebrating, oh, she got removed from her, you know, special committee. And I'm like, she, doesn't, she needs to be removed from office. Yes. Well, the, the, yes. The committee she was on wasn't the issue. Yes. Good point. Good point. Now, look. But, Somebody said to me once, I think this goes to something, too, with character, with, with regard to this conversation. Somebody I'm very close to, who I, I don't speak to as much anymore, but very close to this person. This person said to me once, this is a very smart person. They said to me, and they, and they kind of are cynical in my mind. They're, they're materialistic, and they don't care so much for societal responsibilities. They said to me one time, well, the majority of people are uneducated and ignorant anyway, and no matter what you do to try to do right or try to convince people or change things, the world is always going to be kind of effed up just because people are ignorant and, and, and self-interested. So I'm just going to go out and get mine, and I can, I'll can i use whatever tools and take advantage of whatever ignorance I have to to get where I want to go. And I don't share that, and, I don't, and you don't share that, so I think we're constantly... We're, we take such issue with people who do that, but I think a lot of these people who are in these positions of power in the Republican Party and wherever else, they have that mentality that that person had, which was, I'm going to take advantage of the ignorance and nonsense for my own benefit, even though I know it's, it's bullshit, you know? Yeah, man, I, I thought about that specifically, and I don't know if you saw the post, but there is a necklace out there that has a Trump-signed, you know, I love you bigly kind right. of thing, and it's almost sold out, right? Right. And I thought, you know what? I could probably put together some plaque. Yes. With Donald Trump's picture on the greatest president ever. He loved our country. He loved America. Yes. And sell that thing for like six bucks a pot. Yes, you and could. Right. Immediately like $30 million, right? Easily. Yes. But I just, I just can't <laughs> fucking right. do it. Right. You will well, I mean, I yes. Yeah. You won't. Would I like $30 million? Sure. Right. Do I like my integrity better? Yeah. Yes. I do. And, I, and, and that, that is the thing that separates us from the rest of the world. And I guarantee you somebody is listening and they're going to go, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to make plaques. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Trumpy bear, this necklace is, is almost sold out. I know it is. Yes. I don't know how many they had, but, but if you're talking 
even if you sold just to the QAnon group at a dollar profit, that's thirty million dollars, man. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking cash. Yeah. Right? No, it is. As opposed to what you're gonna make in the rest of your life, or what I've made in my life, and I'm gonna make in the rest of my right. life. Right. And it's just—it's a sickness. It's the sickness, and this is where where my other stance comes in regarding capitalism, mm-hmm. right? It's a sickness. It's what people do for money. Yes. And, and that's the and, and that's the problem. And, and you're right. I'm faulty for faulting the capitalist system. It's not the capitalist system. It's the people who take advantage of that right. system. Right. Right. That are the issue. Right. And there's more of them than there are of us, and that's the problem. There just is. Who yeah. Wants to listen to us when they can make money. Well, that's what I was, and I was thinking about that today too. And I was like, well, this show, for instance, we get a gradual increase in listenership per week, but it's it's minuscule compared to what some other people probably get. And I was thinking, I bet if I just went on tirades, like partisan tirades, without like acknowledging the other side, and and I didn't turn people off here and there by being, you know, calling stuff out, I would have more listeners. But but I can't do it it's just not in my nature it's not in my soul to do it it's like i'll never make a more modern hip-hop record you know because it's just not my i can't do it you know i just and i think that sets because also i don't i think we agree to it's just another level i think most people on the show listening agree we kind of know that we're in the abstract futility of existence and matter is what it is and shit so like I can't bring myself to think that materialism or short-term benefits in this material existence is going to outweigh just my respectability and adherence to what is true and right. Because I just don't think that way. You know, I'm not programmed that way. And that's a sad thing because that's the the, the thing that America has forgotten, right? Mm -hmm. Is regardless of what the founding father, if they had slaves or whatever their particular bent was, they were men of high integrity and right. morals and smart enough to design a document yes. that could encompass 200 plus years yes. and still be valid. Yes. You know? Yes. That's foresight and that's integrity and that's, they they had a moral standing where they're like, we need to make something better than what we've seen. Yes. And that's and why it's that's a more perfect. Anymore. Right. No, now it's, instead of trying to form a more perfect union to what I see too is just this I see this. Uh, this expediency. Yeah, well, I also think there's like a there's a lack of faith in what it was founded on. Like, I think one side now is saying it's completely, you know, nihilistic, it's completely cynical. Like, it was created so I could take advantage of it, and that's what I'm gonna yeah. do. And the other side is like, it's always been completely bankrupt and corrupt it's it's just get rid of it it doesn't have any validity it's never it was never designed to even get us to a more perfect place it's just designed to subjugate and and we just lost faith in it there there were people that were that had morality and integrity and wanted what was best for everybody sure maybe they were wealthy landowners and they had the upper hand right they still saw something right right in, yes. in the yes. promise of this country. Yes. But, but that this new stance is like, you know, when we talked about my early years when I was running a crew at 12 and 13, mm-hmm. right? Anything that you didn't take care of that right. I could steal right. was 
validly mine. Right. 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 You should have taken better care of it if you wanted to keep it. Right. You should. You shouldn't have left it laying out if you wanted it. You shouldn't have put such a shitty lock. Right. On that was the mentality. If you right. Want me to steal it? Right. Right. It's like uh, if I can take it, it's mine. Right. And, and if I kept that value in quotes yes through my whole life yes I, I would be such a shitty person right I don't even know how I would sleep at night right, right. yes yeah no I yes yeah I agree exactly with what you're saying right that's a shitty way to look at society and I, I also think when you're in that that part of life as a as a youth I think a lot of people go through that mentality because I think it's just a part of your human nature when you you're self oriented like younger and then you grow out of it I think I might have been more pronounced with you because of some of the stuff you went through, but then you know you got out of it. But it's just, it's interesting, right? If you kept, and people do keep that mentality, like the tax code. Well, I can take advantage of it, so I do, and that's your, that's your problem for letting me. That's a shitty way to be. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly what happened with this Robin Hood thing. Is that these other people, these regular people, were like, you know, if we buy a lot of this, all right. these people who shorts sold this right. stock are going to struggle and, right. and they're right and even at even though it's come down to 50 bucks if these people bought right. this stock and sold they borrowed the stock yes and sold it you know for five bucks a share or whatever yes and now they're like oh and, and i'm sure the guys on the other end are going yeah my stock's worth 300 bucks a share and i'd like that back and of course right? yes and that's what i learned from neil because i didn't know that they could call i didn't know any of that shit but again yes both sides take advantage, and even Neil said, hey, you want to screw the short seller like up to $10 or whatever, that's just war, like good for you. But if you're going to purposely go all the way up here to like bankrupt them, it's almost like, yeah, screw them, but also, damn, that's like also messed up. And then the guy who put his money in at 300 Rick, who lost it, who was like Joe Schmo, he screwed yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, so... And I, and I agree with that, but yeah. the, the fact is, is that these people who short sold did it on purpose too, and I'm sure there's groups of brokers mm -hmm. right, that go, hey, let's go all in on this and short sell mm -hmm. the fuck out of GameStop because we'll buy it at, we'll sell it at five, it'll drop to two because we bought a million shares. Right, right. right. And then and then we'll, we'll buy it back and we'll be like, here, we just made three million dollars right. by borrowing your stock. Yes, I, I mean, yes, it, no, it, yes, don't yes. The fundamental difference other than it was just the little guy going, you know what? We're gonna poke you in the eye, and and that's why Bernie Madoff went to jail, right? He had to call the steal from wealthy people. Right. Nobody else in that situation stole from wealthy people. They were they were taking it from the tax code and and the little people or the middle class. Right. Right. Well, I think to the short sellers though, they were they weren't they were saying legitimately it's gonna go down because GameStop's losing stores. Like we're just betting but, on it going down. When you down. buy stock at cost and or borrow stock at cost. And sell it off. That drives the price down. No, it drives it, it. Drives it up. If you sell your stock, they're no, they were. Goes, oh, but people are stock, people are buying it. People are buying it too, though. So I don't even know. Yeah. Well, when you buy it, it goes up. And right. That's what these people on right. Robinhood did. Right. When you short sell and you, like I said, if you buy a hundred shares of GameStop at five bucks, sell them off. That hundred shares dropped the price because you sold it off at value. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the thing that really blew me away listening to that conversation last right. week was like, 
I, I mean, there was stuff that there that I was suspicious about and I had an inkling of. Right. But he put it in layman terms, and I was like, boom, there it is. It, it, it's no different. And even when you posted that thing about uh, Robin Hood saying we can stop this at any point, right? You know, that's just that's just fine print to cover their ass, right? Just like any EULA. And, and, yeah, but and, you did uh, see that, like, like you said, it's EULA could say. It's buyers, though. Yeah, but they're like, I'm not... Because the thing, though, you got to remember, though, too, I get where you're going, but it wasn't manipulation because what Neil said was they knew it was going to go down because GameStop, they weren't just counting on when I sell it, it's going to go down. Well, they were saying it's going to it's gonna go down because they're closing stores. Like, this is a long-term down. And the other guys were saying it's a long-term up, and everything was fine until they flooded it so irrationally that it was, like, just through the roof. And then... Robin Hood and like they're a clearinghouse. He was saying then the people just didn't want to buy or sell anymore. So it wasn't like they just put a arbitrary stop on it. The people in the marketplace were like, we're not participating in this market anymore. You know? Yeah, Neil, Neil absolutely illustrated that as well. Yeah. You have to find a buyer. Nobody's going to buy right. James. Right. That you bought for five bucks for three hundred. Right. Bucks. Nobody's right. Buy that. That's right. Like, no, right. Hands off. And so I get that. That self-correction, but I think it's the same game that was being played by the big dogs who have more capital and have more leverage right. in the market, right? And they just got hosed by a bunch of little, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, younger me's. Right? It, it could have been. I mean, yeah, I, I think part of that makes sense. I think the – and that's where I kind of asked them the ethical line, like who decides when it's irrationally high – and who doesn't, and he didn't know. But I think, I still think there's a difference between, like, we're completely in a vacuum going to lower or higher the stock, and, like, no, this GameStop place is going to go down because it's closing stores, as opposed to we're just going to buy it, like, an insanely inflated for no reason. You know? Right. That's that's why I don't think it's the same, but I get what you're saying. You know? No, there, there, but there should be. A, I think I commented on that somewhere. There, there should be a stop point, right? Where mm-hmm. you can't, your stock value can't exceed your actual value. Like yes. Me, right? I'm a homeowner. Yes. So I can't go to the bank and go, "Hey, I think my home's going to be worth five hundred right. right. in two years. <laughs> right. Loan me three hundred thousand dollars. Right. Right. Yes. I can't do that. Yes. Because no, no, the actual value is this. Yes. And it doesn't matter, even if, even though we know the market's increasing. Yes. And, and it has, right? Yes. They don't, I, I can't go get a loan for 150%. Of, yes. Or I think his term, he said 140%, right? Yes. For GameStop? Yes. You, I can't go get a 140% loan on my home. In fact, I'm only allowed to borrow a certain percentage of the equity I actually have yes. in the home. Yes. And I think that should be the same for anything. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and you did say 140% shorted. And that's bullshit. So you're lending out 140%. That doesn't exist. Like, that's, yeah, yeah that's BS. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a good point. Yeah. But that's the same thing that happened in 2008, right? They yes. falsely inflated the value of the market. Then they claim these losses based on these falsely inflated values, even yes. though they retain the asset. Yes. Right? Yes. Which is worth X dollars. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to do the math on that, right? But they've inflated it twice as much, and, and they're claiming losses based on that inflated value, and that's what they got bailed out for. And that, to me, 
it just just screams scam. Well, part know? of it too was that they were selling, they were they were rating the security eight yeah. and A plus yeah. security and selling it, then turning around and betting with the credit default swap, which is just insurance, basically betting right. that it was going to fall because they knew it was C, but they sold it to the guy for A. And they made they made a money on it. Bet that it was C, so that when it went to C, they got paid for that twice. That was what yeah the the the, the stock yeah, the, the 08 Chinese crash was bad. To the Chinese. Yes. And the Chinese were like, no. Yeah. Well, the, and then <laughs> and pro- that's when yeah. everything fucking crushed. Yes. Right? And but the problem was they had to bail them because if they all went down, they held all of our money and we wouldn't be able to get it out. So it's right. a messed up system and it needs more regulatory oversight, which. To Neil's point, was like, well, regulatory oversight's kind of what pushed them to stop the craziness with GameStop. But the system was messed up in the beginning, and until it gets so irrational and little guys are doing it, they don't regulate. That's a problem. Right. Like they got to regulate when from it, the beginning, it, like you said. When it affects their bottom line, right. they don't regulate. Right. <laughs> well, no, it's you're but, right. But when they're playing the game, they're like, this you're right. Is fair. Whatever. We're gonna get bailed out. No, you're right. It. You're right. It's 140 percent, and that's fine. But when it's three hundred dollar yeah. value, it's not okay. You're right. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Because, I, because I borrowed this for five bucks to share, and now I got to pay this shit back at three hundred bucks to share. Right. That's not cool. That's not I cool. A million share. Right. But if I loan out the same stock twice to get to one hundred forty percent, that's fine. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Good point. So. I think I'm done. Yeah. No one else is calling, so people just don't want to call. We're down to six percent on this phone, so we got to get off anyway. But. That was a good call, Rick. I appreciate it. Tied in with everything. Real good call, and uh, we'll talk next week. Next week, I, th- I think my buddy Charles is going to be on, and he's going to push the, the left angle, so that might be an interesting conversation you might want to hop on. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk soon, brother. Thanks for the call, and I'll talk to you soon. Later, Rick. Later. Great call by Rick. Um, we are winding down because my little mechanism here is going to die, so we're going to have to get off, guys. But... Uh, Great show. Thanks for staying with me the whole duration of it. I know I had a long monologue tonight, but uh, I don't know. Let me know what you think of my theme I had going. I think you know it was a way to tie in the news for this week. Uh, and remember, look, just stay on point. Rick brought up a good point. You know, when even if we want to get wound up, and we want to kind of have cognitive dissonance, and we want to stay on our side, or you know, mold objectivity to fit our subjective, you know, bent. Try to stay objective. We, we get make more progress that way. We get better places that way. Like even Rick and I's conversation right now about the stock thing. He, I saw his point about the 140% thing, which was an interesting point. He saw Neil's point last time, which I learned from Neil. And we all learn from each other. And then we disseminate knowledge and we're all more educated and we all come up with better solutions. So I say that's the way forward. That's my opinion. I think that's the way forward. So, again, thanks for staying with with me tonight. Hopefully Charles will be on next week. We're going to have Sean Political Action Bracken on in the coming weeks, too. A couple more guests lined up. Uh, So I look forward to getting more people on to just discuss uh, what's going on and discuss their perspectives and discuss their daily hustle and their knowledge. And anybody who wants to come on the show to discuss anything, please reach out to me. I'd love to have more people on the show. And I can't do it all myself because these monologues get long and they're tough to come up with. So uh, I love having guests on. Any guests, please feel free to contact me and come on the show anytime. Everybody have a beautiful, lovely weekend. Get vaccinated. We're almost out of this thing. And I'll see you and talk to you very, very soon. Logic and Larry, out. Good night.
week, and the Democrats want to extend it through, uh, I think, September or October at $400 a week. I mean, some of this stuff's somewhat trivial, and, and you wouldn't know how much is in common and how much is in contrast, right, unless you really delved into it and read all about it, because the general rhetoric out there is how, you know, they want to push the biggest thing ever and they don't want to push past anything. And it's just not accurate. And the other thing that was interesting, again, with this messaging is Biden has now come out and Biden has said, if there's one thing that's clear, one thing I'm sticking to,